Section 19 of A Popular History of France, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 37. Regency of Mary de' Medici, 1610-1617, Part 4. Ten years later, in 1620, the disposition of the Protestants was very much changed. Distrust and irritation had once more entered into their hearts. Henry IV was no longer there to appease them or hold them in. The restoration of the freedom of Catholic worship in Varne had alarmed and offended them as a violation of their own exclusive right proclaimed by Jeanne d'Albret in january sixteen twenty one during an assembly held at la rochelle they exclaimed violently against what they called quote, the woes experienced by their brethren of varnes louis the thirteenth considered their remonstrances too arrogant to be tolerated on the twenty fourth of april sixteen twenty one by a formal declaration he confirmed all the edicts issued in favour of the liberty of protestants but with a further announcement that he would put down with all the rigour of the laws those who did not remain submissive and tranquil in the enjoyment of their own rights this measure produced amongst the protestants a violent schism some submitted and their chiefs gave up to the king the places they commanded on the tenth of may sixteen twenty one saumur opened her gates to him others more hot-tempered and more obstinate persisted in their remonstrances la rochelle montauban and saint jean d'angely took that side duke henry of rohan and the duke of soubise his brother supported them in their resistance rohan went to montauban and mounting into the pulpit said to the assembly quote, i will not conceal from you that the most certain conjecture which can be formed from the current news is that in a short time the royal army will camp around your walls since st jean d'angely is surrendered and all that remains up to here is weakened broken down and ready to receive the yoke through the factions of certain evil spirits i have no fear lest the consternation and cowardice of the rest should reach by contagion to you in days past you swore in my presence the union of the churches of a surety we will get peace restored to you here i pray you to have confidence in me that on this occasion i will not desert you whatever happen though there should be but two men left of my religion i will be one of the two my houses and my revenues are seized because i would not bow beneath the proclamation i have my sword and my life left three stout hearts are better than thirty that quail the whole assembly vehemently cheered this fiery speech the premier consul of montauban dupuis swore to live and die in the cause of union of the churches Quote, the duke of rohan exerted himself to place montauban in a position to oppose a vigorous resistance to the royal troops consul dupuis for his part was at the same time collecting munitions and victuals it was announced that the king's army was advancing and reports were spread with the usual exaggeration of the deeds of violence it was already committing at the news thereof every nerve is strained to advance the fortifications Quote, there is none that shirks of whatever age or sex or condition every other occupation ceases night serves to render the day's work bigger the inhabitants are all a-sweat soiled with dust laden with earth whilst the multitude was thus working pell-mell to put the town substantially in a state of defence the warlike population gentlemen and burgesses were arming and organizing for the struggle 
they had chosen for their chief a younger son of sully's baron d'orval devoted to the protestant cause even to the extent of rebellion whilst his elder brother the marquis of rosny was serving in the royal army their aged father sully went to montauban to counsel peace not that he exactly blamed the resistance but he said that it would be vain and that a peace on good terms was possible he was listened to with respect though he was not believed and though the struggle was all the while persisted in the royal army with a strength of twenty thousand men and commanded by the young duke of mayenne son of the great leaguer came up on the eighteenth of august sixteen twenty one to besiege montauban with its population of from fifteen thousand to twenty thousand besiegers and besieged were all of them brave the former the more obstinate the latter the more hare-brained and rash the siege lasted two months and a half with alternate successes and reverses the people of the town were directed and supported by commissions charged with the duty of collecting meal preparing quarters for the troops looking after the sick and wounded and distributing ammunition Quote, day and night from hour to hour one of the consuls went to inspect these services all was done without confusion without a murmur ministers of the reformed church to the number of thirteen were charged to keep up the enthusiasm with chants psalms and prayers one of them the pastor chamier was animated by a zealous and bellicose fanaticism he was never tired of calling to mind the calamities undergone by the towns that had submitted to the royal army he was incessantly comparing montauban to bethulia louis the thirteenth to nebuchadnezzar the duke of mayenne to Holofernes, the montalbanese to the people of god and the catholics to the assyrians the indecision and diversity of views in the royal camp formed a singular contrast to the firm resolution enthusiasm and union which prevailed in the town on the sixteenth and seventeenth of august the king passed his army in review several captains were urgent in dissuading him from prosecuting the siege they proposed to build forts around montauban and leave there the duke of mayenne quote, to harass the inhabitants make them consume both their gunpowder and their tooth-powder and peradventure bring them to a composition. But the self-respect of the king and of the army was compromised. The Duke of Luynes ardently desired to change his name for that of Duke of Montauban. There was promise of help from the Prince of Condé and the Duke of Vendôme, who were commanding, one in Berry and the other in Brittany. These personal interests and sentiments carried the day. The siege was pushed forward with ardor, although without combined effort the duke of mayenne was killed there on the sixteenth of september sixteen twenty one and amongst the insurgents the preacher chamier met on the seventeenth of october the same fate it was in the royal army and the government that fatigue and the desire of putting a stop to a struggle so costly and of such doubtful issue first began to be manifested and at the outset in the form of attempts of negotiation the duke of luynes himself had a proposal made to the duke of rohan who was in residence at castres for an interview which rohan accepted notwithstanding the mistrust of the people of castres and of the majority of his friends the conference was held at a league's distance from montauban after the proper compliments luynes drew rohan aside into an alley alone and quote, i thank you he said for having put trust in me you shall not find it misplaced your safety is as great here as in castres having become connected with you i desire your welfare but you deprived me whilst my favour lasted of the means of procuring the greatness of your house you have succoured montauban in the very teeth of your king it is a great feather in your cap but you must not make too much of it it is time to act for yourself and your friends the king will make no general peace treat for them who acknowledge you represent to them of montauban that their ruin is but deferred for a few days that you have no means of helping them 
for castre and other places in your department ask what you will and you shall obtain it for your own self anything you please carte blanche is offered you if you will believe me you will get out of this miserable business with glory with the good graces of the king and with what you desire for your own fortunes which i am anxious to promote so as to be a support to mine rohan replied quote, i should be my own enemy if i did not desire my king's good graces and your friendship i will never refuse from my king benefits and honours or from you the offices of a kind connection i do well consider the peril in which i stand but i beg you also to look at yours you are universally hated because you alone possess what everybody desires wars against them of the religion have often commenced with great disadvantages for them but the restlessness of the french spirit the discontent of those not in the government and the influence of foreigners have often retrieved them if you manage to make the king grant us peace it will be to his great honour and advantage for after having humbled the party without having received any check and without any appearance of division within or assistance from without he shall have shown that he is not set against the religion but only against the disobedience it covers and he will break the neck of other parties without having met with anything disagreeable but if you push things to extremity and the torrent of your successes does not continue and you are on the eve of seeing it stopped in front of montauban every one will recover his as yet flurried senses and will give you a difficult business to unravel bethink you that you have gathered in the harvest of all that promises mingled with threats could enable you to gain and that the remnant is fighting for the religion in which it believes for my own part i have made up my mind to the loss of my property and my posts if you have retarded the effects thereof on account of our connection i am obliged to you for it but i am quite prepared to suffer everything since my mind is made up having solemnly promised it and my conscience so bidding me to hear of nothing but a general peace the reply was worthy of a great soul devoted to a great cause a soul that would not sacrifice to the hopes of fortune either friends or creed it was a mark of duke henry of rohan's superior character to take account before everything of the general interests and the moral sentiments of his party the chief of the royal party the duke of luynes was on the contrary absorbed in the material and momentary success of his own personal policy he refused to treat for a general peace with the protestants and he preferred to submit to a partial and local defeat before montauban rather than be hampered with the difficulties of national pacification at a council held on the twenty sixth of october sixteen twenty one it was decided to publicly raise the siege the king and the royal army departed in november from the precincts of montauban which they purposed to attack afresh on the return of spring the king was in a hurry to go and receive at toulouse the empty acclamations of the mob and he ordered luynes to go and take on the little town of monard in the neighbourhood of toulouse a specious revenge for his check before montauban monard surrendered on the eleventh of december sixteen twenty one another little village in the neighbourhood negrepelis which offered resistance to the royal army was taken by assault and its population infamously massacred but in the midst of these insignificant victories on the fourteenth of december sixteen twenty one the royal favourite the constable interim keeper of the seals duke albert of luynes had an attack of malignant fever and died in three days at the camp of longueville Quote, what was marvellously surprising and gave a good idea of the world and its vanity says his contemporary the marquis of fontaine mireuil was that this man so great and so powerful found himself nevertheless to such a degree abandoned and despised that for two days during which he was in agony there was scarcely one of his people who would stay in his room the door being open all the time and anybody who pleased coming in as if he had been the most insignificant of men 
and when his body was taken to be interred i suppose to his duchy of luynes instead of priests to go pray for him i saw some of his valets playing piquet on his beer whilst they were having their horses baited it was not long before magnificence revisited the favourite's beer on the eleventh of january sixteen twenty two his mortal remains having arrived at tours all the religious bodies went out to receive it the constable was placed in a chariot drawn by six horses accompanied by pages swiss and gentlemen in mourning he was finally laid in the cathedral church where there took place a service which was attended by marshal de la diguiere the greatest lords of the court the judicature and the corporation it is a contemporary sheet the mercure francais which has preserved to us these details as to the posthumous grandeur of albert de luynes after the brutal indifference to which he had been subjected at the moment of his death his brothers after him held a high historical position which the family have maintained through the course of every revolution to the present day a position which m cousin took pleasure in calling to mind and which the last duke but one of luynes made it a point of duty to commemorate by raising to louis the thirteenth a massive silver statue almost as large as life the work of that able sculptor m rude which figured at the public exhibition set on foot by count d'ossonville in honour of the alsace lorrainers whom the late disasters of france drove off in exile to algeria richelieu when he had become cardinal premier minister of louis the thirteenth and of the government of france passed a just but severe judgment upon albert de luynes Quote, he was a mediocre and timid creature he said faithless ungenerous too weak to remain steady against the assault of so great a fortune as that which ruined him incontinently allowing himself to be borne away by it as by a torrent without any foothold unable to set bounds to his ambition incapable of arresting it and not knowing what he was about like a man on top of a tower whose head goes round and who has no longer any power of discernment he would fain have been prince of orange count of avignon duke of albret king of austrasia and would not have refused more if he had seen his way to it memoire de richelieu page one sixty nine in the petitot collection series five this brilliant and truthful portrait lacks one feature which was the merit of the constable of luynes he saw coming and he anticipated a long way off and to little purpose but heartily enough the government of france by a supreme kingship whilst paying respect as long as he lived to religious liberty and showing himself favourable to intellectual and literary liberty though he was opposed to political and national liberty that was the government which after him was practised with a high hand and rendered triumphant by cardinal richelieu to the honour if not the happiness of france End of chapter 37